Hi, and welcome to another episode of... <laughs> was it? <laughs> Which... What's happening? <laughs> Crystal Bell Podcast. Are you, are you okay? I was I was trying to do an ASMR thing, but it, I totally fucked it, so apologies. I thought you were joking. No. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed hard there. That wasn't joking, that was choking. Well, I felt like something was caught in your throat, but you were just trying to keep going. I was trying to be all, I don't know, whispery. Um, so this week, changing the subject... <laughs> <laughs> this week. Ah, we'll be, hi everyone. This week we'll be mostly talking about Drac. I'm I'm gonna try not to put an R on the end of it. Dracula, because I say Dracula and it does it does my boyfriend's nothing. I add R's to everything that ends with an A. I've never noticed that you call him Dracula before. Dracula. Mm. Count Dracula. Well, last week we did Alistair Crowley. This week it's more of a an actual well he's based on a few things that yeah. i'm surprised at because i always thought he was just based purely on vlad the impaler vlad tepes who was known as son of dracula or the, the order of the dragon dracula, i also thought that until we started looking into it i was quite surprised by the some of the things he's in based on yeah i wonder if you found the same things i did that would be fun if we've um got different things it would also be fun if we've got the same things I don't know (laughs) so I mean this this throws back to our first episode or not our very first episode but our first official topic episode which was on vampires but this is just we're reining it in to focus on Mr Dracula himself uh, the legends that are the myth the legend is Dracula and to be honest with you, he was like my first crush when I was five. I was obsessed with him. Um, well, specifically Christopher Lee's Dracula, to be more direct. He has a he's great. Our Sexual awakening <laughs> set me off like like basically going for really tall, not really tall, but like tall, dark, handsome men. That are that evil. <laughs> I don't know. I used to think I used to get really upset as a kid. Now this is fucking weird. I know. I used to get really upset when Van Helsing killed Dracula or when he died. It was like I was devastated. It was like killing my hero. I never understood like why did he have to like he was fine just living his life. Leave him alone. It's just people being judgy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was perfectly nice to the ladies. <laughs> and maybe not so much the men, but the ladies he was fine with. I don't know. I feel like in all of the media that um, I've consumed him any that's right, I've consumed Dracula. He tends <laughs> to be a... Well, I feel like... What? I'm not saying he doesn't kill people, but quite often it's like him and a man are kind of having a sexy-sexy relationship and then the man's like, back beast, you have to trust me with your wickedness. And then he kills them and it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, they sort of portrayed him. I mean, Renfield is like man bitch. And to be fair to like Renfield, he does get a quite a good deal. He, in order to look after Dracula as his minion, he gets to be immortal in a sort of weird way as well by just eating flies, which 
technically isn't as what I mean I'd say would you rather eat flies or kill people to live oh <laughs> I feel like that's one that shouldn't be very challenging but I'm like <laughs> which is also funny because you know normally when people do those challenging question things well, and they're like would you rather do this or this I'm normally very quick at answering them I don't know if I'd rather eat flies forever or kill people <laughs> yeah, I mean flies. I really don't like flies yeah, maybe sucking on someone's neck's a bit more pleasurable than eating. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to kill them. If it's like, would I like, rather suck a pint of blood out of random different hot people's necks or eat a pile of flies? Blood. <laughs> Easy, blood. Yeah, but he gets to be a daywalker as well, so he gets to take the life of um, life force of insects in exchange for being a lifelong servant, I suppose. I mean, that's not that great because you're you're, you're stuck in a long-term abuse, potentially. You're all servants to someone, Leslie. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. And he, he, he's got three wives. Right. We're talking about the fictional Dracula here, obviously. This isn't yeah, that, as you said, I don't know. My notes are also not linear. I don't really know yeah, where I'm going to go. Yeah, not linear at all. And I'm kind of overloaded with information because I realised, like, Dracula's so prevalent and everything that I'm like, I'm just going to go through this list very briefly that I realised. So I started reading I Am Legend. Legend. I've stopped reading it now, Leslie. It's shit. And we'll maybe look back to why it's shit. You think it's shit? I love it. I love that film. Not the film. Shit. Take that back. Wash my mouth out with fucking soap. That novel, I love that novel, right? But the thing about it is it pisses me off is that no one's made a decent actual like movie of it or like they've never done it right on film the thing about it that pisses me off right and the reason i'm not enjoying it is because and the reason it links which i will say is not because of vampires but you know how in the novel he also reads dracula and there's kind of this implication that some of the stuff's right and some of the stuff's wrong and that's where he's picking up from stuff and it doesn't really ever say whether like the novel dracula's real in that universe or not which I found very interesting. Right. This was what I found interesting when I was researching Dracula, like Bram Stoker, is that he initially wanted it to... It's basically like the first found footage in a novel. Ooh. You know, like these, like the Blair Witch, is, people thought that was real. Well, Bram Stoker wanted people to think that it was all based on a true story. But that he makes said, sense. I get that it's all written from like each character's individual perspective, but the first three chapters are letters. written like they're actual letters. Yeah, so it's as if like, oh, I found all these letters and this is the story of it. It's a bit like, you know, these films that, that are coming out or there's a sequel to one at the moment. It's all based on internet searches and things. Yes. Or you get, if you go way back, it's a ba- based on like found footage of video um well he started that whole thing with dracula by saying that it was actually true and these are the documents to prove it like it was based on reality that's what he was saying like there was a ship that actually did run aground um not it was called the 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 dimitri but in the novel it's called the demeter the demeter which is going to be a movie about that which i'm quite excited about Uh, all about how Dracula was on the Demeter and how it ended up crashed on the, the shoreline of where was it Whitby? So um, is it Whitby or London? I don't know. I can't remember. I'm sure it's Whitby. I am legend for just now because now that you're talking about this, uh-huh. I want to see that film because I also want to talk about the BBC one at some point in time. Oh God, Clay's bangs. Mm. 
Yeah. But I feel we both felt the same about that, where it was like part one, yes, and part two, it. yes, part two. <laughs> part, part two was, two was, it, was oh all the God. what happened on the boat. That was fucking brilliant. Yeah, uh, that, that made my. I mean, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was totally in love with him. Uh, he was he was a great Dracula, but then the third one, I was just like, oh for fuck's sake, they totally ruined it. I guess by like maybe. I don't know, gender swapping the Van Helsing thing and making her none. And then it was all like, what what the fuck's going on here? I feel like that's not what was wrong with part three, though, because part one I, I liked and the gender swap Van Helsing was in that as well. And then part three, that was meant to be like her great, great, great granddaughter or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that she could still have been her great, great granddaughter without them having gender swap Van Helsing in the first one. And the first set part wasn't shit. It, the last part wasn't shit. It just wasn't. I just think they they didn't have again. I just hate I hate to see him lose and give up. And yes. I think the 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 concept of Dracula and the modern age really intrigued me, and I would love to have seen where it would have went. I think they sort of implied that, and you know the oh what's his name, the guy that was in Dracula Untold at the end of that. You see him in modern day in New York or some shit in some oh, city. That's annoying. Um. Oh, he smelled amazing. I remember that time I bumped into him at the Comic Con in Glasgow and he smelled fucking gorgeous. <laughs> that's all I can say right play. Well, look him up. He's got a name that's very boring that you'd easily forget. Yeah, he's just got like it's a... on and eh, fucking hell, right? I'll, do you know what? The best thing to do, right? Oh, why is this not working? Look something. He's a look. Look Evans. Look Evans. Because I always confuse him with Chris Evans or you know those actors you're right though that is just like a, that's not a name that should belong to that man that's a yeah. name that should belong to like an alright man that works in the garage like no yeah because he was promoting Dracula Untold when I was at the Comic Con like must have been back in 2013 2014 or some shit like that and yeah mm, smell right okay I'll stop banging on how good he smells but yeah there was a scene at the end where he's in a city and I like the idea of someone like that because right say for instance like the Bram Stoker's novel was set in the Victorian era in the late 1800s okay and then I mean when you think about it it's not really that much later in time where you get the first movie that was made technically about the novel was Nosferatu, but they were to try and get around the cop because they didn't really have permission to do it or the copyright because Bram Stoker's widow was still around. She was still alive at the time. This was yeah. 1919, 1920. So they made Nosferatu in Germany and they couldn't call it Dracula. So they called it Nosferatu and changed the character about it. But it was basically the same plot. They just changed the names and so much so that it was banned by Bram Stoker's widow because she basically sued them for copyright infringement and it wasn't seen and shown in cinemas for a long time afterwards it was actually lost for a while until it was miraculously found so it's such a good film though and he gets genuinely creepy in it but but then you've got like the 1930 movie Todd Browning's Dracula with Bela Lugosi and that's the one that everyone tends to think about when they think of Dracula like this cape wearing tuxedo kind of sophisticated looking cunt yes where where am I going with this so to that that in the 1930s would have been Dracula in the modern age rather than the sort of medieval style guy he was in the novel yeah 
because he was an old man in the novel. He had like long white hair with a moustache, didn't he? I think you're right that it's not the I don't like that he dies at the end of many things, but it's that I think in the BBC one you're right that's what was wrong because it was almost like he'd been this like force, this sexy bisexual force moving mm. through time, and then oh, for some sexy. reason he gets the modern day meets that woman. And then and feels like, guilty. Oh, I love you so much that I feel terrible. Now I wish to die. And it's like, what? Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> You're <laughs> like, you know, I all that time and had so many lovers, including again the guy in the boat who, like, bye. And then it's like, and don't get me wrong, that woman that he falls in love with, very pretty woman. But I'm like, Lucy, really? It? Like, that's, you, you met this kind of like attractive woman and now you want to die because she's got cancer? Like, no. Like, yeah, like seriously, mate, you're in the best age you could actually be in. Nobody's superstitious anymore. You can wander about at night and do what you want. Yeah. In fact, we've got the technology to hang about during the day as well. So if anything, it's the perfect time to be a vampire <laughs> rather than in like the olden days where you would have people in pitchforks at the slightest little thing. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you know, like, that. come on. It's people die all the time. In the form yeah. of a bundle of rats, climb up walls, mm. bang everyone you wanted to. It's all good. Yeah, I, I loved it. I think I haven't seen the one with Christopher Lee is uh, Dracula in AD 79 where they he was basically in the 70s, like, again, contemporary with all these sort of, I don't know, uh, hopefully it wasn't more like a sex comedy, you know, like the confession. <laughs> I think that's how I was imagining it. <laughs> like the 70s Robin <laughs> I do get like oh, the yeah. comedic the deliberately comedic takes of Dracula as well like as you know but the listeners will not yet know uh, we're recording a day later because I had no power or internet access yesterday so I just sat and read the first six chapters of Dracula but there are little bits in it where I'm like and again it's always I think because it's so well written that even though it was written so long ago, it's written so well and it just seems, it seems like somebody is writing it now. So then the little occasional bits where it's like clear that it is such an old novel just seem weird and comedic. So I do kind of get why. And also there's a lot Dracula of it getting loving it and sort of, yeah, Dracula based sex comedies would exist because. Well, we don't know because a lot of the novel was cut because the publishers refused to publish certain bits of it, whereas a lot of background history of Dracula's background or whatever, and there was a lot more gore in it. I think there was a lot more horror in it that they told them to cut out. So basically, I think there was a lot more involvement with Jonathan Harker as well, but probably a bit of sexy shenanigans with Jonathan Harker between him and Mr. Dracula, because uh, the no- when the novel sort of kicks in with Jonathan Harker going to see Dracula, that should actually be like nearly halfway through the novel, like well into the novel. There's a lot, actually there was actually a lot more before that that he re- he wrote that they told him to cut. No, that's really interesting. To read, and- but also, do you not think that's kind of why it's good because it does that because it just sort of goes into it. It's just like you're in the story immediately straight away. Like, I think that's what I like about it. There's not like any. Mm. Not even I was going to say there's not any like there is a bit of slow burn, but there's not really like you don't obviously you know what's going on because we're reading it now. and We all know who Dracula is, but. I think it's just like chapter one 
Jonathan's in it and it's like, oh, what's happening? This is all a bit weird. And then by the end of chapter three, you're like, right, fucked up madness. It's great. I'm going to, I'm, I mean, as I said to you earlier, I haven't read, I don't know when the last time I read it was, but I'm going to fully reread it. Like, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Right. So when I'm, I'm just, like, I found this article in Time magazine and it is about the missing pieces from the novel and the manuscript and everything. And when I refer to when Bram Stoker wanted it to, but I'll just read this passage for you so you can understand what I mean. I meaning. So it says, when Bram Stoker wrote his iconic novel, the original preface, which was published in, I don't know what the fuck, oh, Macht Mercana, the Icelandic version of the story. So there's an Icelandic version of the story, which includes like more passages, like missing oh. pieces. Um, so it included this passage, and this is what I'm saying about the, the found footage shit. So it says, and this is in the Icelandic version of the novel, quote, I am quite convinced that there is no doubt, whatever, that the events here described really took place, however unbelievable and incomprehensible they might appear at first sight, and I am further convinced that they must always remain to some extent incomprehensible. He went on to claim that many of the characters in his novel were real people. See, I fucking love this because I'd love it to be real. (laughs) All the people who have willingly or unwillingly played a part in this remarkable story are known generally and well respected. Both Jonathan Harker and his wife, in brackets, who is a woman of character, and Dr. Seward are my friends and have been so for many years. And I have never doubted that they were telling the truth. This is Bram Stoker putting this in his novel, claiming that he knows all these people. This fuck is fucking mad, isn't it? That it says he did not intend for Dracula to serve as fiction, but as a warning of a very <clears throat> real evil, a childmare nightmare, all too real. And then it says, worried of the impact of presenting a sto- such a story is true, his editor, Killjoy Otto Kilman, <laughs> literally that's his name, of Archibald Constable and Company, returned the manuscript with a single word of his own. No, <laughs> but it was because. <laughs> no. Yeah, but he said it was because that this was his reasoning, which I think is really interesting, is he went on to explain that the reason why he said no to that, um, to say it was because they were London was still recovering from the horrible murders in Whitechapel with the killer still on the loose. So remember, he was contemporary with Jack the Ripper going on. Mm-hmm. So you that imagine the horror that was... Yeah, and then he's publishing a story about a maniac that's going around killing women. They couldn't publish such a story without running the risk of generating mass panic. So they said that you need to change the factual elements, we'd need to come out and it'll need to be published as fiction or we won't publish it at all. That's fascinating. I mean, I'm glad you took it out then so they could publish it because it is Mm. excellent. The novel was released on May 26, 1897, but the first 101 pages had been cut. I want you to know what they said. Numerous alterations had been... Uh, made to the text and the epilogue had been shortened, changing Dracula's ultimate fate as well as that of his castle. But what happened? Tens of thousands of words had vanished. Bram's message, once concise and clear, had blurred between the remaining lines. They did discover the original Dracula manuscript in the 80s in a barn in rural northwestern Pennsylvania. No one knows how it made its way across the Atlantic. Well, the guy who owns it is co-founder of Microsoft, Paul Allen. And the manuscript begins on page 102. Jonathan's Harker's Jonathan Harker's journey on a train, once thought to be the beginning of the story, was actually in the thick of it, which is what I said earlier. 
uh, what was on the first 101 pages? What was considered too real, too frightening for publication? Oh my God, I really want to know. I really want to know. I mean, again, I feel the way the novel starts is perfect, but I do want to read that bit. Uh, something about this the novel is like a warning about being bisexual and I think it might have something to do with that because it says that there was clues found in a a short story called Dracula's Guest that he wrote um, which has also been excised from the original text and then there was notes his journals his first editions worldwide Um, but I think there was more to it Dracula's guest. I think there's some sort of flirtation, more flirtations, more sexuality going on with him. Because... I mean, again, I'm only on chapter six, and mm-hmm. there's what, like, a heap, not a lot. There's some. There's, are we counting the brides as one character? <laughs> I know there are three, but they seem to be like one entity. I don't know. They don't really have much of a, a thing, do they, apart from bring them children? Not really, but there's like, so if we count them as one character, there's like seven proper, like, key characters from it, really that have been introduced so far and the ones that have had like quite a lot of stuff dedicated to them are Jonathan, Dracula, the Brides and Lucy and it's very clear that Jonathan's bi, it's very clear that Dracula's bi, it's very clear the Brides are bi. Not clear that Lucy's bi but it's clear that she loves shagging. Like, well, see, the thing about Lucy as in the Victorian era, she represented what was known as the new woman who was not afraid to be flirtatious and outrageously, overtly sexual. Whereas Mina is like the old fashioned sort of innocent virgin type in Victorian times, family values and all that shit. Yeah, Mina's Whereas Lucy very, was, like, Lucy was outgoing. She's featured in like what, chapter five and six, but it's very mm. like Mina's just kind of there as though, I mean, Lucy's just my favourite character in it I so love far. Lucy. Yeah. It's very um I feel like in my head she's just Gemma Collins. Like <laughs> Oh god, no, don't say that. <laughs> but like I love see the bit so I think chapter six, her and Mina are together, chapter four or five, she's writing, like it's got the letters from her to Mina or the letters back and forth between her and Mina before mm-hmm. they meet up. But when she's talking about like having three suitors and all that, and she's oh, like, yeah, Oh, that's right. Mina, there's a secret, but I can't tell you what the secret is and blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, but it's a letter. <laughs> and it goes like, oh, oh, Mina, you've caught me. I can, I can never lie to you. You've seen <laughs> between the lines. You've worked out the charade. You're right. <laughs> I, I have been seduced. <laughs> and I was actually laughing really because I was like, this is amazing. Like, I want to be friends with Lucy. I like that she's like, well, yeah, she's pieced all the bits together. I might as well tell you now, even though we're not having a conversation. <laughs> well, Bram Stoker was, um, he was a contemporary with Oscar Wilde. In fact, they knew each other, I think. Um, and they were after the they same were... woman at one point. F- or they, they fancied an actor, Henry Irvin. Yeah. They were in uni together or something like that, but they Bram... were, their parents knew each other, so they used to actually like yeah. college together and stuff when they were younger. Yeah, um, so I think they might have had a bit of a a thing, you know. But at uni, when Oscar Wilde was like not outed because he kind of outed himself to an extent, but when mm. he was being prosecuted, um, Bram Stoker was quite like publicly anti Oscar Wilde even though they've known well, each other for a long time I think that was to cover his own ass to be fair I th- that's what I was going to say but they were obviously very close 
And there's the fa- who is it? I don't know why I didn't write this down, but there's the really famous letters that Bram Stoker wrote to Henry Irvin, the yes, actor, where he's basically Dracula, like, I think. please, <laughs> his letters don't say please bum me, but they might as well <laughs> say that. Like, they're so. I think he like, was a bit jealous of him. Uh, what's he face? Uh, Oscar Wilde's looks as well, because. He was quite self-conscious about his own looks um, and he never smiled in photos or anything. He, he didn't want to come across as like out and out flamboyant as Oscar Wilde was. So I think he was a lot more careful of his image than, you know, Oscar was. Do you know the thing as well about the like one of the letters that he sent to the guy that he was clearly in love with? He doesn't, again, he doesn't actually say that he wants to have sex with him. And I, wish I, I wish I'd written it down. There's like, <laughs> he's basically saying like, I wish that... Um, like I lie it awake at night and I think about you and oh what was it that's really fucking me off that I haven't written this down and there was like a specific bit where I was like right that's very clearly like I'm in love with you the queer but, life of Bram Stoker <laughs> I just fucking giggled probably in that as a young man Bram Stoker wrote a love letter to his queer literary agent no, Idol, Walt Whitman. Oh, he's, Walt a Whitman. Famous, he's a famous American writer. Right, so it says here, fans of literature are familiar with both Bram Stoker and Walt Whitman, the former most famous. Okay, yeah, we know he wrote Dracula. And the latter considered a queer literary... I didn't know he was a queer literary icon. He published poetry collections, Leaves of Grass in 1855. I'll need to look up more about him. Uh, I only seen sort of like I read letters of note and that's the only time that I looked at Walt Whitman that I was ever aware of him when he, I was reading some of his letters. But I don't think it was to Bram or maybe it was. The two men engaged in written correspondence back in the 1870s. It led to some question whether Stoker had a crush of sorts on his queer predecessor. <laughs> One letter to Walt Whitman in particular, some scholars making just that assumption well, where's the letter? I want to see it. I've it found the letters here. I've gone back through all my searches. Oh, okay. Uh, so run. Right, I've got two letters from to uh, Walt Whitman. So, uh, my dearest Mr. Whitman, I hope you will not consider this letter from an utter stranger a liberty indeed. So this is the first letter he ever sent him. Uh, I hardly feel a stranger to you, nor is this the first letter that I have written to you. My friend Edward Dowden has told me often that you like new acquaintances or should I rather say new friends? And as an old friend, I send you an enclosure. I send you an enclosure which may interest you. Right, this has lost me already, so it's like... Yeah, but it's very slow. We already know each other, but he's writing a letter as though he doesn't know. Um, Mm. Four years ago, I wrote the enclosed draft of a letter which I intended to copy out and send to you. It has lain in my desk since then. When I heard that you were addressed as Mr Whitman... It speaks it's for like, itself. It needs some wait, Mark, it's like when you know you fancy someone, but and you want to talk to them. Like when I used to like see David in school, and I would be like, I can't, I can't speak to him. I'd run away. Yes. It sounds like that kind of thing. Like he was good. He'd written the letter, but he was going to send it. But then he was like, Oh God, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, you're right. So he was writing <laughs> them letters for four years before he eventually wrote <laughs> to him. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I'm skimming the, all these letters because I need to find the say other things about Bram, <laughs> Bram Stoker while I find these bits from the letter that are really gay. Um, 
because uh, there's no point in reading the entire thing. It just comes across as a fan letter. It's like the four years which I have elapsed have made me love your work fourfold. And I can truly say that I have ever spoken as your friend. You know what hostile criticism your work sometimes evokes here. And I wage a perpetual war with many friends on your behalf. So he's like total fanboying him. But I am glad to say that I have been the means of making your work known to many who were scoffers at first. <laughs> He's really playing it on fact. Oh my god, I love this bit. Do not think me cheeky for writing this. I only hope we may sometime meet and I shall be able perhaps to say what I cannot write. Is that what you're looking for? No, I mean there's other so I found what I'm one of the letter like later, later letters. Um wow. where you are. I mean, yeah, but also so hold on. Without reading I believe So basically he's talking about them seeing each other. I believe you will like it. I don't think there is a man living, even you, who are above yeah, the prejudices, the prejudices of... Uh-huh. Oh, no, hold on, this is the wrong bit. I have a class of small-minded up. men who wouldn't like to get a letter from a younger man, a stranger across the world, a man living in an atmosphere prejudiced to the truth you sing in your manner of singing them, which is very coded words for, you know, you're living in a world where gay people are prejudiced against. Yes. And you're telling them about them in your poetry oh here i found it oh, um, brilliant. <laughs> i have to thank you for many happy hours i have read your poems with my door locked late at night and i wrote them on the seashore where i could look all around me and see no signs of human life then ships out at sea and here i often find myself waking up from a revive with your books open before me i love all your poetry your high and generous thoughts make the tears rush to my eyes. But sometimes a word or phrase of yours, it takes me away from the world around me and places me in an ideal land, surrounded by realities more than any poem I've ever read. Last year, when I was sitting on that beach on a summer's day, reading your preface to Leaves of Grass, as uh, as was to be printed in the Rossetti edition, One thought struck me and I pondered it for several hours. The weather-beaten vessels entering new ports. Oh, my God! He's not very subtle. I mean, come on. Why you who wrote those words, will you know better than I do? (laughs) And to you who sings of a land in progress, the words have meaning that I can only imagine. But be assured of this, Walt, that a man of less than half your own age Reared in a conservative country who has always heard your name cried down by the great masses of people who mention it here, felt his heart leap towards you. It leaps towards you across the Atlantic and my soul is swelling at your words and your thoughts. That sounds very Dracula, doesn't it? Because Rembrandt it does says sound to, very Dracula. Yeah, Rembrandt says to Mina, I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Yes. That, that could well be him talking to Walt Whitman. I feel like, so apparently because not apparently so there's another letter which i'm not going to read all the letters that was the very gay bit i was looking for but there's another letter to walt whitman before they met so in one of the earlier letters when he's describing himself and the exact description he uses is the description of van helsing in the novel so i think that like van helsing mina and jonathan are all bram stoker yeah like there's a bit here I found if I were before your face I would like to shake hands with you for I feel that I would like you I would like to call you comrade and to talk to you as men who are not poets do not often talk 
I think that if for some man would be ashamed for a man cannot in a moment break the habit of comparative reticence that has become second nature to him. But I know I would not long be ashamed to be natural before you. <laughs> you are a true man and I would like to be one myself. And so I would be towards you as a brother and as a pupil to his master. That's very Dracula speaking. It's like very Dracula and it's very gay. Yeah. In this age, no man becomes worthy of the name without an effort. You have shaken off the shackles and your wings are free. God's sake, go get all. <laughs> <laughs> I have the shackles on my shoulders still, but I have no wings. Is it? So he means he's closeted and he can't. He can't be free and expressive as a gay man as he thinks what women can. If you're going to read this letter any further, I should tell you that I am not prepared to give up all else so far as words go. The only thing I'm prepared to give up is prejudice. And before I knew you, I had begun to throw overboard my cargo, but it is not all gone yet. I am writing to you because you are different from other men. If you were the same as the mass, I could not write at all, as it is I must either call you Walt Whitman or not call you at all, as I have chosen. The this is crazy. <laughs> so, like, the fact that there's multiple so men well. who's obviously had attractions to, but that makes I feel like it's quite sad as well because I'm like I mean again it is an amazing novel but it's very like all all the bisexual and slutty characters are punished in the end and then yeah. but then even the straight characters are like like is Mina straight or is it just that she resigns herself to being straight yeah, and then her and Lucy have a bit of a lesbian yeah seems very close to him because in the Victorian era like Queen Victoria refused to believe that lesbians were real because she didn't think that that was possible so women, gay women were treated much differently, much more leniently than gay men because gay women at the time were just considered like if they had a close relationship with another woman it was just seen as practice before they became a wife so it was fine Um. I mean, I've got something here. So it's like an article that someone written. It's in the British Library, and it's called "Dracula: Vampires, Perversity, and Victorian Anxieties." Um, and it it covers like anxiety in the vampire in late Victorian Britain. So Dracula was described by a reviewer in 26th of June 1897 edition of Punch as the very weirdest of weird tales, presents a series of contrasts and clashes between old traditions and new ideas. Stoker uses the figure of the vampire as thinly veiled shorthand for many of the fears that haunted the Victorian. Uh, throughout the novel, scientific rationality is set against folklore and superstition. Old Europe is set against modern London and traditional notions of civilised restraint and duty are threatened at every turn by the spread of corruption and wanton depravity, which I guess is Lucy and Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Dracula's forays into London, for example, and his ability to move unnoticed through the crowded streets while carrying the potential to afflict all in his path with the stain of vampirism play upon late Victorian fears of untrammeled immigration. The latter was feared as leading to increased levels of crime and the rise of ghetto communities, like Jews and things, I think, as well, like um, anti Semite. Dracula creates several layers in the metropolis, including one in Chicksand Street, Whitechapel, an area notorious for Jack the Ripper, so there you go, and one in Bermondsey, the location of Jacob's Island, the low-life rookery immortalised by Charles Dickens and Oliver Twist. I didn't know you did that. No, I didn't know that either. 
The Ripper murders had created a storm of hysteria in the press with the local Jewish community bearing the brunt of the outburst. The secretive nature of the Jewish ghetto was also cited as a reason why murders were never solved, with the Jews seen as having closed ranks around one of the... It's always the Jews, isn't it? They always get blamed for everything. They run Hollywood. They like, they're the, it's the fault of everyone. Uh, such fears, such as Dracula, murders very closely. Um, ultimately behind the introduction of the Aliens Act of 1905, which was put in place largely to stem immigration from Eastern Europe. Nothing changes then, does it? I mean, look what yep. the government are doing just now. Tory scumbags then, Tory scumbags now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He, Dracula desired to visit London, a city in which he regarded as a stranger. Of course, like, we don't like foreigners. I do. <laughs> I mean, same, but we're not like those scumbags. Yeah. So the the no, act of vampirism itself with its notion of tainted blood suggests the fear of sexual sexually transmitted diseases such as syphilis and more generally the fear of physical and moral decay that was believed by many commentators to be afflicting society. Towards the end of the book, the character of Mina, who stands for everything Stoker sees as morally upright and respectable, observes the Count as a criminal and of criminal type Nordau and Lombroso would so classify him. The Hungarian social critic Max Nordau's influential book Degeneration, an impassioned attack on what he regarded as the prevailing era of hysteria and moral decline in Western Europe, has been translated into English in 1895. Degeneration was dedicated to the Italian criminologist Cesare, I love that name, Lombroso, whose work... That's a good name. Yeah, used a similar pseudo-Darwinian language to analyse psychology of the criminal mind. In an era noted for foppish dandies, I guess that would be Oscar Wilde, it's pleasure-seeking estates, I love them, in the rise and fall yeah, of Oscar Wilde, Stoker is deliberately aligning Count Dracula with everything respectable late Victorian society would have regarded as morally corrupt and criminal and perverse. I love that, though. That's why I love about him. Dracula because he's a rebel he's like everything that everyone like it's the opposite of what yeah. the sexuality you know what I mean he's agreed like again sex. Dracula and Lucy are amazing so far in the book and then Jonathan mm-hmm. and Mina it's like they want <laughs> they want to be sexual sexy by yeah. sexual mad people but they're like oh but I can't mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting because obviously that makes Dracula and Lucy the better characters, but I think really Bram Stoker probably was a lot more like Dracula and Lucy. Yeah. Well, no, I suppose he was like Jonathan and Mina in that he was a bisexual mm-hmm. sex fan, but he... Well, there was a short story... Had to be buttoned up. Like Car- Carmela, which Hammer Horror made quite a lot of lesbian vampire movies based on Carmela. Um, which places a virtuous English girl Laura at the mercy of the predatory Eastern European vampire of the title. So all the foreign vampires are all like, you know, sexy <laughs> sexual predators. <laughs> which why not? <laughs> and Dracula follows a similar pattern. Um so She was one Luce, of the the hmm. like novel Carmilla was one of his or is Dracula. believed to be one of his inspirations, isn't it? Yeah, one of his inspirations. Yeah. Um, the Count's what is it? Lucy Westerner, who is con- she's dangerously modern and is like she represents the modern women, and um, all women voters seemingly at risk, as the Count suggests when he pointedly taunts Professor Van Helsing and his followers by saying, "Your girls that you all love are mine already." 
What chat? <laughs> it's such a giga chat. <laughs> I'm still your girl. During the course of the book, Dracula attacks both Mina and Lucy, but Mina, due to the traditional Victorian qualities of determination and loyalty towards her boring husband, is able to resist his advances. Ra- the rather more free-spirited Lucy is not so lucky. So because, you know, she's a part fun-time girl, like probably like the flapper of the era, party girl likes a good time, she's more prey to be a victim of Dracula than Mina is. Yeah, she's like punished mm. for being hot. Yeah, basically. Or for knowing she's hot, which again I like about her letters. They do have a big tone of like. Oh yeah, she's definitely. I'm fucking stunning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like you said, she receives three proposals of marriage on the same day and comments that she regrets having to turn down two of the proposals. Why can't they let a marry? Why can't they let a girl marry three men or as many as want her and save all this trouble? <laughs> Love it. Also, like, again, the comparison that, like, Dracula has his three brides and she is like, oh, why can't I have three husbands? And, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. (laughs) So when she becomes a vampire, she leaves her tomb at night to feed upon a succession of defenceless children and a paradic distortion of the Victorian ideal maternal femininity. When confronted by Van Helsing after one such raid, Lucy behaves in a manner that would have been viewed as an affront to both femininity and motherhood. With a careless motion, she flung to the ground, callous as a devil, the child she had clutched strenuously to her breast, growling over it as a dog growls over a bone. For Stokey, Stoker, Stokey, <laughs> Stokey, <laughs> Lucy's decline from the Victorian feminine ideal to the perceived selfish unnaturalist of the new woman is complete. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I do love no, that scene in the movie when she gets caught and she throws the child away. <laughs> and then she starts trying to be all like, oh, I love you and all this. And yeah. to be all stuck to before you get her. <laughs> Again, she's great. But yeah, I don't like... Yeah. I wonder if he wasn't so repressed, like how the novel would have gone. Because again, the characters are great. It's so well written. But like, yeah, how where, where would Lucy and Dracula yeah, but... up if he wasn't so repressed? Like they said, they cut out a lot, so I wonder if it did address that at the end and in the beginning. So there's a lot that's been cut out that they didn't want to put in, like out there to the, uh, I don't know, shock the morals of the Victorian society. I don't know. I would just be intrigued to to find out what he actually meant. I'm flicking through the novel as we talk here because I want mm-hmm. to find not so much one of Lucy's quotes, but again, with like, again, the repressed sexuality and all that, like, Jonathan in it there's a bit when in one of the first three chapters where but obviously Dracula's still looking like old and haggard and like about 90 mm-hmm. and there's just a random bit where Jonathan's talking about him and then basically starts talking about like how fucking hot he is even though he's a really old man and then he's like oh no but I mustn't think these thoughts and then yeah. same when he almost has the three-way with the brides but isn't that sort where of... he's like oh why is this happening I've changed my mind I feel like the Bram Stoker is portraying himself as Jonathan Harker in a way because it, it, it reminds me of the letters he's writing to the older man that's Walt Whitman. Yes. Because he's describing Dracula how Walt Whitman sort of looks like. Uh-huh, 100%. Like, but that's Definitely. What and, like, Jonathan's clearly a stand-in for Bram Stoker. Stoker, yeah. Walt Whitman and, and Dracula are... Definitely. And obviously Walt Whitman, as you said, was known to be like queer, was... And he's exotic. 
he's foreign, he lives across the ocean, he's and he's brought in a lot of his now what I was thinking as well, like as the influence obviously Vlad like, we're gonna go off on a tangent here away from Bram Stoker, but the influence behind the character of Dracula as well as Walt Whitman is that I found he was influenced because he's Irish. There was a story of an Irish an Irish folklore of this creature that um oh god I think I've lost it now. I don't know where it is. It was like a dwarf like creature in Ireland's mythology. The died or was had a lot of power and they killed it but it kept coming back to life so in order to stop it from coming back to life again they buried it upside down (laughs) so i think he took some of that into the dracula mythology you know like the way that you have to kill a vampire and things like that you know like from eastern european and his own history where is that I've lost it. I don't know. It's in here. There was also, well, we were looking for it because yeah. I just, uh, talked about the sexy gothic four-way, which also, when you were talking earlier about like things from Dracula movies that were like a sexual awakening. Oh, I found it. Mm-hmm. Like, that, the brides and, um, oh my God, yeah. what I his name, and the hottest man in the world, Keanu Reeves and the brides. And oh, the yeah. Dracula, like that was... Much like him being a stand-in for um, Bram Stoker when I watched that, I was like, I want to be, I think I wanted to be all three of the brides at the one time. One of the brides is Monica Bellucci, how can you turn her down? I mean, I mean, come on. Stunning for racing. But that was one of the, um, I mean, there's not as much of a story behind that, so I'll let you get back to yours in two seconds. But well, that okay. was one of the inspirations as well. Apparently, Bram Stoker has had a nightmare, as he described it, about exactly that scene, so like him being involved in a four-way with like sexy demonic beings and that in part went towards inspiring the novel which hot anyway tell me about this upside down creature right well some believe that irish native ram stoker used irish folklore um, to base his original vampire, Irish mythology and history point to a shadowy figure known as um, an Abhartach. Sorry for Irish if I pronounce it wrong. I mean, as a Scot, I should be pronouncing Celtic words right, but hey-ho. Uh, he was a 5th century king who apparently was also a dwarf, following as an expert of an excerpt of the tale from 1875. So, again, within his contemporary times. The dwarf was a magician and a dreadful tyrant, and after having perpetuated uh, great cruelties on the people, he was at last vanquished and slain by a neighbouring chieftain. He was buried in a standing posture, but the very next day he appeared in his old haunts, more cruel and vigorous than ever, and the chief slew him a second time and buried him as before, but again he escaped from the grave and spread terror throughout the whole country. The chief then consulted a druid, and according to his directions, he slew the dwarf a third time and buried him in the same place with his head downwards, which subdued his magical power. <gasps> Excuse me, that's so that he never again appeared on Earth. A 2000 edition of the magazine History Ireland claims that some sources say that um, Abhartach drank human blood during his daily reigns of terror. So, there you go. Cool. Did you also read about the sort of Lord Ruthven inspiration? No, what's that? Okay, Ruthven. so uh, is it Ruthven? 
No, I don't. He's a fictional character. So, like, basically, Lord Byron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I know Lord Byron wrote a vampire story, or was based, or no, I don't know. Did he? So you know, like the whole Lord Byron, Mary Shelley, everyone together. Yeah, in yeah. The story. Mm-hmm. So you know, like Polidori was there. Yes, and he wrote the vampire book. He wrote Byron? the vampire book, which the vampire in it is is Lord Ruthven. Ah. But Lord Ruthven is Lord Byron. Mm. Like, basically anyone who read it who knew Lord Byron was like, oh, Polidori's just written a novel with Byron in it. And by this point in time, Polidori and Byron weren't speaking because, supposedly, Lord Byron, also famous massive bisexual, they were lovers. I think at the same time that Byron had, like, about seven other lovers, to be fair. And when he rejected Polidori, he based this evil but seductive and beautiful character of Lord Ruthven on Lord Byron. And again, there's then the kind of link there with Whitman and Stoker, where Stoker is effectively Polidori (laughs) and Whitman is effectively Byron. Mm -hmm. And Polidori's got this, like, fuck my ex-boyfriend book. And then there's, like, some parts of the... Byron personality, Ruthven personality that have kind of been lifted and laid onto Dracula. Like there is, there's clearly like quite a lot of inspiration there. Like Ruthven's got the whole starts off old, becomes younger and more beautiful the more he like draws blood so energy more... of other people. He's the first ever vampire that was written to be like a sort of um, aristocrat of sorts. Mm, yeah, because Dracula was fanciness, yeah considered an aristocrat as well mm-hmm. it sort of starts off the whole trend of the romantic vampire you know like then it, it goes on from dracula ram stoker to then Anne rice's portrayals and then uh, <laughs> twilight oh fuck it <laughs> you know, like, yeah but you're right like I, don't think we'd, I, I didn't even know this before and i found it really interesting mm. reading it because i'm like all right so like if basically if byron hadn't fucked off and dumped polidori then we might not have the idea of the romantic vampire because it only exists because polidori again was like fuck my boyfriend, yeah, you're hot, but you're a blood-sucking bastard. I don't know. I think someone would have came up with a sexy vampire at some point in time. Just he got there first. I mean, um, Yeah. <laughs> Biden, yeah, he was an interesting character. He was that. Like, one of his ex-girlfriends uh, who he broke up with was so mad at him that to try and, I don't know, win him back or something, she sent him a letter with her bloody pubes in it. That she'd cut off with scissors. That's why yeah. there was blood on them. I yeah. mean, one of his ex-girlfriends was his sister. So. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, I don't think it was his actual sister. I think it was his stepsister, which is, again, is a sort of porn cliche. <laughs> no, it was his half-sister. What? Apparently, oh he, like, as you would do, permanently denied it because um, even though he was, like, obviously known to be really promiscuous, he was like, well, no, we have... I think they had the same father. No, mother. They had the same mother. And he was like, well, no, obviously that would be absolutely disgusting. But apparently there have been letters unearthed that have definitely been written by him that strongly imply that he was, in fact, fucking his sister behind his wife's back. Yeah, I think the same wife that he was a that he had was the that he had a daughter. She was a very insolent. Yeah, she was a lovely behind her back. 
See, her his wife was very. I don't know why he married her. She we're we're, we're talking about Biden now instead of fucking Dracula. But anyway, his well, wife, he has an inspiration for Dracula. Yeah, his wife was very intellectual, very smart, and he maths, and he was the complete opposite of that. Like he wasn't fuck. He called her boring. He wasn't interested in her fucking sums. Which I can under I'm a bit on his side with that, <laughs> but then they had this daughter and she was Ada Lovelace who came up with like the computer. Oh, but, yeah. So that was his daughter with his actual wife. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. But he didn't have much of a relationship with her, I don't think. I've got a good quote from him. It seems very Dracula. Yeah. Uh, so Byron, famous quote, he said. Uh, the greatest object of our life is sensation to feel that we exist even through pain mm. it is this craving of void which drives us it drives us to gaming it drives us to battle it drives us to travel it is the great object of life I'm like that sounds like I feel like I could imagine Dracula saying that yeah I suppose he would yeah, I mean, yeah, Dracula is a combination. I mean, people always think Vladimir Impaler, but I don't, I don't really. Okay, he probably just nicked the name and got inspiration from where he lived in his castle and the, the, the sort of setting. But I really do think that the personality of Dracula is, yeah, like you say, Byronic and yes. more Walt Whitman than Vladimir Tepes. He was just a cruel bastard who liked to impale people. <laughs> he wasn't a very romantic character. And allegedly drank drank the blood of his victims while they were, you know, like he put a cup up to collect their blood while they were hanging from poles up their arse. There was the banquet thing. That's the only thing when I was looking into mm. that I was like, that's quite Dracula. Although the numbers are a bit too much, but with the, you know, the banquet mm-hmm. thing. I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, whether you know it or not, it's unimportant. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> So when he um, basically started his big takeover of all the regions round about him, he implied he basically started out making out like he wasn't going to take over anywhere, and he mm-hmm. invited members of all the rival families round oh. to his castle for a yeah. banquet. But actually, when he started serving the banquet, he had all of them slaughtered at the table in front of him. I, I mean, feel like that's the only thing for me that's like Dracula about that is I'm just like it's that combination of like a sumptuous like luscious fancy banquet but actually the banquet is just like the jugular blood of your enemies yeah it's quite it's it's a bit of an arrest, aristocratic thing to do but in a cruel way but i also think with vladimir uh tepes tepes i think means to impale i think that's what it means i don't think that was his actual name it was just his nickname no, neither but, of his names were his actual name because yeah. his name before he was Vlad the, the, the Vlad the Impaler was a uh, obviously which is again where Dracula, the name of Dracula comes from but was Dracula is it Dracula yeah. Dracula E because his father was Vlad Dracula which means Vlad of the Order of the Dragon so that wasn't actually his oh yeah yeah that's right either. and then it's basically about, Dracula is like Vlad Dracula is Vlad the son of the Order of the Dragon, so that wasn't either of their actual names either. Yeah, so he was just named after his father, but um, it was a guy called Sigismund, King of Hungary in the future Holy Roman Empire, who initiated Vlad 
the second into his society of knights and the name was the order of the dragon and their purpose was to fight the ottoman empire during the crusades so that's why he took the name dracula which means dragon or dragonist um or dracula means son of the dragon and then vlad took the nickname vlad dane paler because that was what he was famous for doing but the thing is right I feel sorry for him because he did have a bit of a shit life because he was kidnapped, he was taken hostage by the Ottomans and he basically learned everything he knew about torture and impaling from the Ottomans who took him hostage because when he finally got home, he used that against them to say, because in Romania, in like the area where, where he lived, in Transylvania area, he's a fucking hero. Because he saved the people from the Ottoman, the Ottomans that were terrorizing the town in Wallachia, so he's an actual like freedom fighter. Whereas over here, he's seen as more of an evil guy. Like, but then it's a difficult one as well because mm. obviously the Ottoman Empire were evil. Well, Turks were absolute torturous bastards, so they were. Horrible. I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't evil. Like, obviously. But I he just learned the story where he invited a bunch of people from dinner and slit their throats at the table. But they he were evil, and like you say. But then, not that I'm saying but, that's not a but. But even your thing about being kidnapped, like I thought it was very interesting that, as you say, like tortured him every day, and that's where he learned all these torture methods. But they, they also had like the highest level of education you could have at that point in time because yeah, the Ottoman Empire was so highly educated. So they yeah. gave him like science lessons and philosophy lessons. So that's like a weird juxtaposition in my head as well, where it's like, oh, mm. we'll provide you with the finest education, young prince. Also, we're going to absolutely smash fuck out of you every day, even though you're a small child. But we'll provide you with the finest education. Like, that must be no wonder he was messed up. Yeah, he was totally messed up. Yeah. Um, uh, what did he look like? So a bishop described him that he was not very tall, but very stocky and strong with a cold and terrible appearance, a strong and a quilling nose, which is like a really long nose, swollen nostrils, <laughs> was he Kenneth Williams, a thin reddish face in which very long eyelashes framed large, wide open green eyes. Sounds nice. The bushy black eyebrows made him appear threatening. His face and chin were shaving, but for a moustache. Um... It's certainly not the image we have of Dracula today, but he did have a moustache in the novel, so I'd say he's more well Whitman. I think yeah. the, the 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 Coppola movie based Dracula more on Vlad the Impaler than the actual description of him in the book. You know what I mean? He was be, he was he was Vladimir Vlad the Impaler rather than the Dracula that Bram Stoker wanted to give us, like, um, I don't know, impression of. Do you think? Hello? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going through the entire film in my head. Um, yeah, I think he does have... Because his wife yeah. is supposed to be the reincarnation of Mina and all that shit, but that's not in the novel at all. No, that's much only about his the... backstory. That's only in the like, film, isn't it? Yeah, that's only in the movie. Um, I'm just seeing what else it is that might have influenced them. It's interesting as well, like links-wise, that um, and like Lord Byron was openly like anti-Ottoman Empire. Yeah. 
And Vlad the Impaler was clearly <laughs> anti-Ottoman Empire. So they both feared that. Both inspired the same character. Both mm-hmm. uh, strong uh, anti-Ottoman stance. Well, everyone thinks of Dracula these days as the you know the tuxedo wearing guy, but that was because of Bela Lugosi and then Christopher Lee, because the the sort of tall with dark hair and the widow's peak type thing, that was all invented by Hollywood. Because in the book, in Stoker's novel, he's described as a tall old man, clean shaven, save for a long white moustache, and clad in black from head to foot, without a single speck of colour about him anywhere. Which again, based on having just looked at pictures of Walt Whitman, it does sound like him. <laughs> I feel like he's so, Walt Whitman, and then as he starts to draw in the blood and become more youthful, he turns into Lord Byron. Yeah, so he's a combination of Walt Whitman and Lord Byron, I would say, definitely. Yeah. I think that's what we've learned from this podcast. <laughs> I've just come to that conclusion just now as well, so I don't know if our listeners may disagree, but I do think that it is basically a giant allegory about his love for men and Walt Whitman. <laughs> he's a big yeah he's repressed sexuality and maybe he's fear of it because of what happened to Oscar Wilde who was quite open about it really yeah mm-hmm. it's a shame that like I feel like if he hadn't completely rejected Oscar Wilde he could probably have had to like kindred spirit and continue to have his friend there especially so much if mm-hmm. he's like so kindred with Polidori who I don't think he ever actually would have met but yeah obviously has a lot in common with him uh, what else can we say about Dracula? I mean, we covered the whole like garlic and the vampire myths in our second episode, so I suggest you go back and listen to that about vampire like mythology in general, like vampires, gar- crosses and all that stuff. I mean, does he? I mean, there is a lot of science in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is quite contemporary quite scientific and modern for its time wouldn't seem like that now but there was blood transfusions where they used that method to try and save lucy which obviously didn't work and then they used like tele did they use telegrams which was a fairly new technology as well to communicate between each other so i guess like nowadays it would be like texts and emails but in the novel it's like letters telegrams I don't know if they had a telephone or oh, a phonograph because Seward or one of them, Dr. Seward uses a, which would have been, again, would have been new technology, like the equivalent of a dictaphone to speak into. So he does. So there's that contrast between old world and new world, which I find really interesting as well, which I suppose is a bit like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and everything because she used the fear of technology versus like nature versus technology as well. Would you not feel like we're sort of still in that place whereby now it's like robots and AI that's like we're fearing yes. instead of vampires? Shout out to Maggie. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like vampires now are just like what are the equivalent of vampires nowadays? The Tories, we always go back to them, they're sucking everyone dry for happiness. No, because they're, not, they're sexy. not sexy. Ah we said that at the same time. I feel like the equivalent of Dracula now is like like sexy immigrants that the Tories are trying to force out of the country because Dracula is mm. he is the sexy immigrant. He's a se- that, that is what he is, he's a sexy bisexual immigrant, and that's why people yeah. apparently should be scared of. Which him. I feel like that that's what Brexit was all about, the lies that they were told. Like people thought that 
like not not the Scottish people because we rejected it because we're smart, but like <laughs> the fucking idiots that voted to leave Europe was like because of a fear of foreigners. But the I can stupid actually thing... imagine somebody on the news being like, "I agree yeah. with Boris Johnson. I'm not having some Eastern European come over here, feed my baby in a bag to his three wives." <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the side of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, bring it on, please. <laughs> we need more sexy Europeans, Eastern European women. Whatever. That's one of my other favourite bits in the book, <laughs> the mother of the uh, baby in a bag, when she yeah. comes and starts trying to, like, batter on the castle doors, trying to get the baby in back and screaming your monsters and the brides go out and devour her and Jonathan's watched it from the window and it's like again I get it's because of when it's written but because it seems so modern when he's describing it at first and he's basically like I thank the heavens that they have devoured the woman for it is the best thing that could happen to her now that she is without child I'm like all right Jonathan Hi, okay. <laughs> she could have gone on and made anything of her life she's not got a baby anymore she's better being oh my eaten God. she could have had more babies you know nope. <laughs> the best thing for her because she her only purpose as a woman is to have babies, yeah. <laughs> God's sake. My other favourite bit is when uh, Jonathan sees the brides as well, and there's the like two raven-haired ones, and then there's the blonde one. But there's always this like sort of bit where he goes off on a wee tangent each time he sees them, where it's basically like with the blonde one. I'm sure I know her face from somewhere, as if he's like at a party or something. Like, who is she? Does she know my aunt Jackie? Like. <laughs> I'm saying that as though there's 97 references to it, but at three separate points, he's like, I do know her. <laughs> Very random that he seems to think they're like pals from somewhere. I like it that he doesn't let Jonathan leave as well. It's like he, he's keeping them there as his little sex slave for a while. Yes. Does he let the three wives have fun with him as well? Like, I, I guess no, he, do- the, no, he doesn't um, want them to have him. It's a particularly him. hot scene from the film. So when, mm. again, the first time Jonathan sees him, him he's like the two raven hair booties. And then like, and the mm. fairer skinned one, I recognise her. But from where? And then they start having a four way and then Dracula like bursts through the doors <laughs> and screams, he is mine! Yeah. <laughs> Very possessive, jealous boyfriend. <laughs> Actually, he screams, he is mine. And then one of the raven haired ones and him have an argument because she's like, um, I can't remember. I'm, I'm going to modernise it again because I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's basically like, oh, with the like small amount of fucking you've been giving me lately, I didn't know you were capable of love. And he's like, and then Dracula says of Jonathan that he loves him now as he loved her once and will love her again. But wow, <laughs> he just wants to reiterate that Jonathan is, in fact, is that he's my boyfriend. You can't have him. The three of you fuck off. Well, Jonathan's lying on the ground with all his clothes ripped, going, excuse me, Dracula, where do I know that blonde girl from? I played one of Dracula's three wives. Did you not go see me? I did go see you. I had that line, love, you're incapable of love or something like that. I can't yes. remember the exact one, but that was my line. Because he was offering as a baby. I was like, and, and us, have you nothing for us tonight? And then I said something about love. You're incapable of it. But I don't think it was exactly from the book. I don't know. It's basically that, like, it's love, you're incapable of love, like, Mm. and then basically something like, yeah, because you've not shown. Yeah, that's right, because we were trying to. However long. It's it's not like you've not shown me love in however long it's been, but it's like the love has been absent that you would have shown me for, Mm -hmm. like, eons now or whatever. And then he's basically like, no, that's like a 
I just proper want to fuck Jonathan on your job. Yeah, because there was that scene where we were suggesting him try to get a key off him and then he interrupted us and we were a bit pissed off about that, obviously. But then he gives you a baby in a bag, so it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> Keeps us sweet. I want to know the background of where he met these women and why they stayed. Like, why is it... Why has he got three wives? Did I really, have three wives, maybe? I want to know why he has three wives. I want to know if the two raven-haired, almost identical ones are actually identical twins. And again, I really want to know where it is that Jonathan thinks he knows the blonde one from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he's supposed to be chased as well. Like, he's supposed, aren't they supposed to be both virgins, him and, him and Mina? Yeah, but again... He and he's looking away. elsewhere. Well, so it's okay for the man to do that, but Mina's not allowed to have a bit of sex time with Dracula, no? No, but they're both exactly the same because, again, when he's like, <laughs> basically like, oh, there's actually something really fuckable about Dracula and then is like, mm. oh, no, actually, no, no, why am I having these thoughts? And then same when, like, he ends up starting to have a four-way with them and then Dracula bursts in and then there's a whole bit about, like, how even yeah. though Dracula terrifies him, he's thankful that he's saved him from committing this sin. But it's like, you want to fuck everyone, Jonathan, just fuck everyone. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Just have a bit of fun. <laughs> oh, well, what can we say about Dracula then? We love him and I'd like to see more of him. And the recent um, portrayal of Dracula is in the film Renfield. And we have the Nicolas Cage playing him. <laughs> Haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to He's see it. sort of a fucking psychopath. He's got really sharp, like all his teeth are really sharp. Like all of them, but he does have like the, the the classic fangs that kind of grow a little bit as he's going to bite someone. But he's more like a megalomaniac guy that he wants to take over the world, like Pinky in the Brain type thing. <laughs> in fact, it's basically Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula's the Brain and Renfield's Pinky. That's how I feel about it. I have again. I've uh, I haven't seen that <laughs> yet, but I've been consuming a lot of um, Dracula content of late. The the graphic novel that I'm reading just now, mm-hmm. I didn't realise until the other day, and it was like, this is a nice coincidence, that the kind of background lurking bad uh, is Dracula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like the Marvel version of Dracula, but he's still Dracula. Yeah, I think my favourite... Right, okay, if I was going to do top five Draculas, number one, because I'm biased as fuck, is Christopher Lee. No one will ever top him as Dracula to me. And Taste of Blood of Dracula is my favourite movie of his as Dracula because he's really hot in it and he suggests all the women. Oh, I just I just want to be like, <laughs> there's a woman that's totally obsessed with him in the film. She doesn't turn into a vampire, but she's just like obsessed with him and she sleeps on top of his coffin. <laughs> like that's how obsessed she is. <laughs> and he's just like a total chad and just like treats her like shit, but she still comes back for more. Um, Yeah. And uh, then second, I'd go with Clay's Bang. You know, the recent BBC one. Yes. Then third, Gary Oldman is Dracula. Um, two more. Fucking <laughs> 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 I'm glad you're struggling already because I was like, can I well, Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi's definitely in there. He's a Agreed. And then I'll just go with final one, just for a laugh, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> I was going to say uh, Dracula from Hotel Transylvania because I've not seen them. 
uh, the Myth Child and I watched Hotel Transylvania 4 the other week, and again, we watched it at the weekend after we recorded the last episode, and I was like, oh, Dracula's a character in this as well. Dracula's a character in everything. Yeah, but what is he in Dracula? What kind of Dracula is he in Transylvania Hotel? Obviously, he's kid-friendly. Yeah, I feel like the first one is like friendly, but there's like an underlying implication of like if he's not killing people it's not fun like he's not killing people and you wouldn't pick up on it if you were a kid but i feel like there's there is a it's like <laughs> oh, well who does the voice uh steve carell i think oh okay so he would be one of your favorite tracks <laughs> but then as soon as you get like the second third like second especially like the third uh-huh. and fourth film he's just like a fun loving wacky guy um, no, that's not that's not cool. He does have a new bride by the. I think he gets his new bride by the end of the. Third Has he got three one? Has he got three brides? No, it's um, it's not. He's not got the three brides. It's like the. Oh. It's like in the novel. So they, strangely, which is quite deep for a children's <laughs> film, there is a storyline in the first film that um, that when he was mortal, he had his one true love and. She failed her, her. I can't believe this is in a children's film. <laughs> and she falls from her death into the river that becomes named after her. And yeah, it's only after like, that that he becomes a vampire. Yeah, that was the same in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Michael Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Ford Coppola one. But that's that is based on a true story about Vladimir Dracula because one of his wives did jump from a high tower because, but not because. I don't know whether she was genuinely in love with Vladimir or she just jumped because she thought the Ottomans were going to kidnap her and get her and she fell into the river and it was called the Princess River after that but he wasn't nice to some of his wives he kicked one of them in the belly when she was pregnant fucking killed her you can't be doing that no but apparently he was really really, um, hot for a peasant woman that lived in the woods somewhere sexy witch yeah, which I like the sound of that. Yeah. I kind of uh, feel like they could take some of the beats from Hotel Transylvania and turn it into a good um, one because they've got that initial beat and then... The... But is anyone trying to kill him like Van Helsing? Yes, Van Helsing is the villain of the, I think, second film. Is he like one of the only Draculas then, I guess, that doesn't die as a result of Van Helsing getting them? Uh, yeah, Van Helsing's like, again, it sounds a lot right. darker than it is because like, his wife dies at the start of the first film. Second film, Van Helsing shows up and tries to kill him. Um, and at the end, he's, Dracula's saved and Van Helsing is basically like his entire body except for his head and one of his hands is destroyed. Oh. And then third film is set further along in, in the world's timeline. Um, and he's traveling the world and he meets and falls in love with a woman and she turns out to be a descendant of Van Helsing and then they're married in the fourth film. So there's oh. a lot going on in the Hotel Transylvania. So that's, a like, that's a bit like the BBC adaption then. It is, yeah. They've nicked that from fucking whatever. They've nicked it from the BBC show or the BBC have nicked that from Transylvania. It is actually very it's similar up. because she shows up in the third film to kill him because she is a Van Helsing, but then he seduces her. Nice. And she becomes a vampire. Uh, no, he seduces her, and I don't think she's a vampire in the fourth film. But like the other creatures that are in it, are like, oh, like you'll just leave her like you do with everyone else because you're still obsessed with your wife that the river's called named after, and then you decide yeah, then... does actually love the Van Helsing, and then she marries him. And becomes <laughs> but a, you'd have to make a her a vampire because she'll grow old and die. 
Maybe I'll make her a vampire in the next film. Doesn't he have a daughter in it as well? Like, how's, who's, who's the mum? Uh, the mum is the princess that fell in the river. And Wait, she... that's fucked up. So he, he made his daughter a vampire? Yes, <laughs> on her 18th birthday. But he won't turn his wife. He's, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> well, no, because he couldn't turn his wife, so his wife dies, he becomes a vampire. No, I mean the new one. Oh, no, I think, again, he might in the next film. But <laughs> Fucking hell, what we like. We'll have to do a follow-up <laughs> podcast on Media 5 when it comes out. No, I've not seen any of them, and I don't care to. I mean, I'm just, I'm forgetting. I'm just hitting on the most interesting points. I don't think you would okay. actually enjoy them, but right. those are the best points in the film. And there was also another Dracula that I forgot about. I'm not counting Nosferatu, because he was Count Orlac, and I basically, I know he was, he was, um, basically Dracula but he's more of a weird ratty type vampire guy <laughs> but um, there was another one in that really bad film Van Helsing with uh, Wolverine was he a sexy one of the worst films ever. he was a Dracula he was Dracula he in was that. Dracula yeah mm, he, was, he wasn't too bad looking he wasn't too bad looking but there was Bit a terrible film yeah. he also had the weird takeover the world plan didn't he he wanted to yeah, I never watched the harness <laughs> the energy from inside Frankenstein's monster to oh, turn the world into <laughs> vampires, I believe was his plan. All of that makes no sense. Yeah, because if the whole world were vampires, then he would have no one to feed off of, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like, the same with Blade. His background to I Am Legend. <laughs> yeah, but the point of I Am Legend is that he is the legend because I like the, the fact, I like, which takes us to the beginning of the podcast, I guess, spoilers for i mean it's an old book so uh, fuck it the guy who what's his name neville richard something neville he becomes the weird one he's the weird one because yeah because the whole world are populated by vampires but at this point it's like some sort of virus and to him to them he's the weird one he's the legend he's like the vampire it's like the opposite way around he's the dracula to them because he's going out killing them and stuff so he's a terrorist. And doesn't it just end up with them just killing him at the end? Also, he kind of is the, again, my issue with it is that it's so well written, but in every single chapter, <laughs> there's like some bit where he's like. He's not supposed it. to be. He's not supposed to be a hero, though. No, I know. But there's a bit in every single chapter where it's like, <laughs> sadly, I saw a woman's corpse by the side of the road, her mm. dress lying slightly open. What could I do but look? I'm a man. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? Right and then, the- like, the next chapter, it's like the vampire woman. She's trying to get in the window. She looks hideous, monstrous, but the shape of her in the moonlight, her buttocks. And I'm like, why? Why is he trying to fuck a corpse and everything? He- that, genuinely, that's what I don't like about it. I'm like, because he's the like, he's the last man on. He's the last man on earth. Of course, he's gonna get the horn. I mean, he's lonely, wouldn't you? <laughs> Now, I get that I've not lived in a post apocalyptic <laughs> scenario, Leslie, but I'm going to say quite firmly that no, if I was walking along in the post apocalypse and there was a dead guy at the side of the road with his shirt ripped, I wouldn't be like, should yeah, I? But... Would it be wrong to lick the corpse? Yeah, but it's not yes. like you've got much choice. <laughs> There's always choices that are not fucking a corpse. But wasn't it that he, he, a woman that he thought was a human? Turns out wasn't. Who was living with him for a while? Yes. In the book, but turns out she was like a super 
evolved type of vampire that didn't look like your average vampire out there. That's what annoys me about the movie Will Smith, right? Because the vampires in it are so over the top, like creatures, whereas in the novel they weren't. They were just humans that were just vampires. Like, like yeah, his the, neighbor the that he described. Vampires in the movie aren't really vampires. They're like some sort of like weird zombie dilapidated yeah, creatures. Yeah, and that pissed me off. And also, he survived at the end, which he's not supposed to. Wait, did he kill him off at the end of I Am Legends? But there was other humans. That pissed me off as well, because that didn't happen. I don't know. I just like, I don't like people coming up with their own ideas for the source material. It annoys me. I'm, I'm just too... To Walt Whitman. If you're going to write a vampire story, you have to write it about Walt Whitman. <laughs> That would be a good idea, wouldn't it? If so they could do like um the story of Bram Stoker and then have it as if it is like the origins of Dracula between him and Walt Whitman and the inspiration. That may, I don't know if people would be interested in that. Maybe though. I would see a film where like Bram a gala tries to convince Walt Whitman to turn him into a vampire. Well, I'm not saying that Walt Whitman's actually a vampire in it. I just mean like okay. <laughs> I want Walt Whitman to be a vampire. Well, or actually, now that you said that, that shifts my brain to being like, no, I want a movie where <laughs> Bram Stoker tries to convince Walt Whitman to make him into a vampire, even though Walt Whitman isn't a vampire. <laughs> That's like this is a vampire with fucking Nicolas Cage. That's already been done. <laughs> actually, that is that's sounding quite funny. But I would just like the thought of uh, if Walt Whitman really was a vampire and he's still wandering about out there being queer. Would you, do you like an older man? I mean, it depends what you mean by an older man, but not a Walt Whitman older man. Oh, like, okay. Walt Whitman's a proper old looking man, isn't he? He's got Colonel <laughs> Sanders vibes. He does look like Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine a vampire Colonel Sanders and he, instead of blood, he goes for gravy. No, However, he, he mixes the blood with the special KFC. <laughs> <laughs> a reanimated Lord Byron. He'd get it. That, that, yeah. No. I wouldn't mind a bit of Byron or a bit of um. Now Byron was hot. I have to say he was hot. A Byron. Byron Polidori, Monica Belushi for Percy Shelley. Was he? Is he too much of a twink? Percy Shelley. No, I'm not. I'm not as into Percy Shelley. Oh. No, I think I'd be more into Byron than Shelley, to be fair. Yeah. Didn't, like, there was this story about um, Mary Wollenstoff Croft or whatever her name was, who was Byron's girlfriend or first wife or something, and she banged him in a graveyard on top of her mother's grave. How goth is yes, that? Yes, I seem to remember reading that somewhere. <laughs> She's the one that sent her pubes to him. Oh. Mm-hmm. She called him bad, mad, bad, and dangerous to know. He was the ultimate bad boy, I guess. I mean, he does seem like he'd be mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Yeah, and he was a bit like a sort of Elvis Presley figure back then as well, like Mr. Rock and Roll, because a lot of ladies who would read his poems would like basically fangirl over him and send him loads of letters. With again, and probably things that um, included like personal things, <laughs> like their panties and stuff. 
Whereas to Bram Stoker, the only true Elvis figure was Walt Whitman. Was Walt Whitman. <laughs> he did have a, a, a crush on the, the actor Henry Irvin. So I don't know if you want to look him up and see if he's in, like, he's good looking. He liked an actor. Okay. Um, yeah, and he I'm cast really him as Dracula. So, uh, you looking him up? I Actually, am. I don't know if there's any pictures of him. We should really wrap this podcast up because we're over an hour and a half. Um... Henry Irvin, actor. Oh, no. 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 Is no. It what? no that's the oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe that's just him as an old man. I don't know what he's like as a young guy. No, I'm looking at him young and he's no, no, he's, he's not a good looking lad. What is it about? Although he um, does have a touch of the Whitmans about him, I think that might be him. Um, do you think it's maybe his tastes in men then? He's like a younger, less attractive Walt Whitman. Yeah, so it's like the next best thing that you could get to Walt Whitman in the UK. I mean, Walt Henry. Whitman has very nice eyes. Like, mm. but uh, obviously all the pictures of him are when he's like 8,000 years old. So. <laughs> So he basically wanted a sugar daddy, I think. Nah, even the yeah. younger picture. Walt Whitman's not for me. No, I'm, he might have wanted a sugar daddy. I don't know. I'm just Would shouting you say Walt pictures of dead actors and dead poets. I'm sure Walt Whitman's devastated, Mark, that you don't want to bang him. God's sake. He's more like an old bear, isn't he? An old yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow. A bit, you know, like. And the the last of us, the bear in that, no, <laughs> does have a big bushy bear beard. Perhaps that's a nice picture of him with a hat and the colour picture, and he's got nice blue eyes. He's not a it's not a bad looking guy, Walt Whitman, underneath the beard. I don't think. No, like he does have nice eyes, but no, he's not for he's not for me. He's he's a bit of a Santa Claus looking guy. <laughs> Again, I want a I want. I don't um, like beards. I want what's his face, Polidori and Lord Byron. Polidori, what does he look like? Oh my, we're just googling people now. Doctor Polidori, I don't know his full name. Doctor, I want to call him John Polidori. Yeah, John but Polidori. There won't be any um, pictures of him though. Won't be painted. Oh, actually, yeah. he is. Yeah, he's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, he's my type. He's I get that Byron was banging half of Europe, but that was really strong to, to break up with Polidori. He's a mm, he's got very attractive man. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you there. Apparently the guy from Bill and Ted played them. Oh. Yeah. He was really hot in The Lost Boys. Now we're just listing off who's oh hot. <laughs> when I watched The Lost Boys when I was younger, I was always really into the guy from Bill and Ted. The Lost Boys. Alex Winter, like yeah. his hair in the Lost Boys is a crime against, like seriously, style. No way, the horrible mullet. That's where my, you know how like when we were younger, I was really into guys with just like big stupid hair. I think that might be why, <laughs> because when I watched that when I was like quite young, I was like, oh, he's beautiful. I did think that Kiefer Sutherland, not when he was a vampire, David, but when he was dead, David. That sounds fucked up, but <laughs> I thought he was really cute when he died. <laughs> And he became like, so he looked like an innocent little lost boy, I guess. We've looked back to I Am Legend again, Corp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to fuck Keith Sutherland's corpse? 
on that note, should we pick a topic for next? Yeah, week? let's do. Let's end it on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Not his corpse now, though. But when he was like tw- in his twenties, um, yeah. Well, let me pick. Can I pick Sweet Sixteen? You can pick Sweet Sixteen. I'm not Okay. Okay. We've changed your mind already. No, 16. 16's legal anyway, so shut up. Uh, it's a return to one that we did quite a while ago. Um, okay. Random, you know, random US state generator, and then we both have to find myth- myths about it. Oh, no, so I like that. Because it, it generates a, a random person. US state. Yeah, because it makes a change from doing a person this time. True. Uh, random. Are you going to do the state now? US state generator. Really I am. All oh, right. I thought we were going to leave it as a surprise, but no. Okay, let's do that. Uh, right. Get started. They're going to be Florida man. Okay, state. Uh, you have Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma. <laughs> and I have Maryland. <laughs> That seems quite appropriate for you. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you living in a house in Maryland. I'd love to set up home in Maryland. You ever had a chicken in Maryland? Uh, I have not for quite a long time. What with my? I know that used to be for people who were pussies that went to you know a Chinese or an Indian restaurant, but were too pussy, like too much of a pussy to actually eat the foreign food, so they would have a chicken in Maryland. It was when I was a child, but people did just yeah. pussy at me. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I remember the first time I went to an Indian restaurant, my dad was like, no, that's far too spicy. I think you should order the korma because you can handle that. And I'm like, but I've never actually ate an Indian curry ever, so how do you know? I wouldn't like it. <laughs> so I had a korma, and it was yeah, but I do need to watch myself around spicy food because I I am I think I'm Charlie Big Spuds and I think I can handle a lot of, a lot of spice and in fact I can't. So if I'm out with David, I have to have him say like, "Is this too spicy for Leslie's?" And he's like, "Yeah, I I don't think you should order that." <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> otherwise I'll order it and then I won't be able to eat it and it's spoiled. Can you handle spice? Mm, I. I genuinely don't know because my dad actually does shout pussy at anyone who tries to eat spice. <laughs> my dad makes things so hot that they would burn your fucking face clean off your skull. So I always thought when I was younger that I couldn't handle spice. And then I realised as I got older that I like, could eat spicy things with other people. And they'd be like, is that not burning the mouth off you? And I'd be like, no, it's fine. And I'm like, oh, it's just because my dad puts like 875,000 chilies in a sauce. 600 million Scoville scales. <laughs> because your dad has to be a hard man and everything uh-huh. And then he'll eat it while tanning water and I'll have like a spoonful of it and be like, oh, I can't eat that. And he'll be like, oh, you your fucking poof. I'll put some fucking hair in your balls. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, if you don't have diarrhea eight times through dinner, all right okay well (laughs) (laughs) right well thanks very much for listening go out and read dracula i think you'll enjoy it go and watch um christopher lee as um dracula in the hammer horror films and and watch all the photos on sylvania no i don't (laughs) (laughs) If you've got, if I don't do any of it, just watch Hotel Transylvania if you want to learn more about Dracula. <laughs> You're a fucking bastard. 
Bye. Bye.